0: Building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why Today we look at our beliefs of how life and work should be And we invite you to look at your beliefs of how things should be in relation to work and life choices. Do you find yourself challenged by the pandemic and questioning everything? The great resignation in the USA and some other countries as well has people going, is this it? And if this is it, I'm not doing it anymore. And they're Mm -hmm. looking for something else. People are saying, there's got to be something better than what I'm putting up with. And they may have no clue what that better is, but they are sure looking. (laughs) Yeah. Today we have some insights on what to ask yourself and how to contemplate on more of what you want for your choices in life. Patty has some wonderful self-reflection questions on what to do if you want to leave your job or if you're dissatisfied with how your work life is. Patty, you also coach on this very specific area of career change, right?
1: Yes. This is a topic that I coach and discuss. Coaching helps people with career and life. Some come to the realization that they want something different than where they are. Were Before the Great Resignation, people are starting to explore that they want more in life than just a job title, material things, and working themselves to death in a career that doesn't light them up. Is there more than walking in a fog of living for the weekend? But when the weekend comes, you are too exhausted mentally and physically to even do anything. Is this what life is? Working yourself to death in a job you dislike with little to no satisfaction?
0: My teacher, John, said to me in the year 2000, it's time to let go of all the things I think I should be. I had no idea back then how many shoulds I had put on myself. He even said to me, he repeated back to me, my language. He said, should, should, should. And he made me hear how every question I asked him started with, should I? So I've never forgotten that. John has also been saying since the year 2012 that the world is also going through a change and now this year in 2021 when we record this we can see the results in everybody everyone is questioning why why are things the way they are because my boss said so my society says it should be this way or my school or my parents
1: I understand, Angela, throughout my life's journey, I have put a lot of pressure on myself of what I thought my life should be like, but now realize that wasn't where I needed to be, whether it was my career or home life. Instead, if we live in the moment of joy instead of pushing or forcing the shoulds, we become so much calmer and peaceful.
0: Now, the important question of asking, why is society the way it is, is not so that we go into the streets and protest and start tearing things down. The important question is to ask, why is society the way it is, so that you can understand how that impacts you. Let me give you an example from my past when I left university, I thought I had to get a job. So I got a job as a clerk in a courthouse, a family courthouse. So it gave me a job in an area I'm fascinated by, family and relationships, but it had nothing to do with my drama and communications degree, except I got to see a lot of family drama. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> yes, Oh my gosh, there's a whole television show in there. I saw how the Australian government tries to fix family problems with little success and how the problem of relationships is much bigger than what a government system can solve.
1: Angela, with that job, I can imagine you saw and experienced why relationship coaching is so important.
0: Oh yes, I did. I saw the dysfunction of relationships. You may not believe this, but it's true. We had parents who were very dysfunctional. Either they abused their kids or they were experiencing mental health, drug addiction, or complex trauma that made them unable to be a parent through no fault of their own. They just didn't have a stable way to look after themselves, let alone a child. Those parents from different regions of Sydney would hook up in the foyer of the courthouse while awaiting their different trials. So we had the shock of seeing new children born to two different dysfunctional parents who couldn't parent because they had met in this very system that was supposed to help people who weren't able to safely parent. And I saw a lot of expectations on the social workers, the lawyers and the court to fix problems that really are not legal issues. Some of my friends were the social workers and the lawyers, and I saw how they worked above and beyond and sacrificed themselves to help the kids and the parents. After a while, the office staff, myself and the other office staff, started to rate (laughs) how long the social worker would last. (laughs) I saw them come to work with puffy eyes, no sleep, trauma from seeing kids and families in trauma. And I saw how big their hearts were, how they managed crisis. Sometimes they didn't manage the crisis very well. They made a lot of mistakes. And I used to see social workers argue and fight with each other about that. But I saw how even if they didn't agree on how they should do the job, they managed to do that job and they weren't doing it for money. They were just desperately trying to help and do some good with families in in really a lot of distress. So, I learned in that job a lot about sacrificing yourself for what you think is the greater good in that job. And also, I learned how to not sacrifice, but find a better way to be of service. I saw lawyers struggle with that a lot. And I saw some lawyers go against the very fiber of their being when they were actually defending parents who were abusers of children, yet they put aside their personal story to be of service. And for a few lawyers, eventually that actually got too much. So a lot of the people I met in that job taught me about service, dealing with your personal drama and your personal demons and getting on with the job because there were children and families who were suffering. And I used to watch the workers and think, you're suffering too. Is that the only way to solve these family problems? So that did lead me to working on relationship coaching. But back to the why of myself. Why did I get that job as a clerk which had nothing to do with what I wanted to do? So here are the reasons I had and maybe you can recognize yourself in some of the reasons. When I left university, I knew I had to get a job. I wanted to get my dad off my back because he was complaining about me getting a job. I wanted to feel like I was doing something. I thought I couldn't get a job in the arts, and this job was better than nothing. I had been doing community theatre, but there was no money in it, and I thought this job would pay for my creative lifestyle. So this clerk job was the longest that I had, about eight months, and what I learned from all of my reasons, was that if I listened to my shoulds, I should get a job for this reason or that reason, then I'm not coming from the best place for me or for the right place for me to experience all that I came to experience. So if you're young and you're starting out, I'm not saying that you should just do your dream job and only take a job in what you love to do. Sometimes you do end up in jobs for reasons other than living some perfect life or some dream job. Sometimes you just get a job to meet a lifelong friend or to learn what you don't want to do. That's important. But the lesson for me from my first job out of university has been so important to understand how I should myself out of happiness, not just in my career, but also in all my relationships, based on beliefs of how life should be and how I should do life, which actually has nothing to do with who I really am. I love that. Patty, can you share some reasons you took certain jobs when you were young?
1: It was about the money. You know, I was a young parent and I needed, we needed money, we needed stability, you know, security. We needed health benefits. So I took jobs that, um, for that reason, and kept moving up because that's how you would earn more money. And there was times where, you know, I felt that that job wasn't feeding me. When I say feeding me, I mean, I was struggling internally with the job and my personality or what. I wanted my shoulds, but I stay because I needed to for my family.
0: So what if you have shoulded yourself <laughs> into a life or career that you realize 5, 10 or 20 or 40 years later that you really didn't need to do or feel good doing? Do you live in regret? That's a pretty awful place. And some people have to experience this. I've known people who only wake up to how many restrictions they've put onto themselves well into their 50s, 60s or 70s. And those people have taught me that it's never too late to learn about how your beliefs of how it should be can teach you how to get the gold out of your life. I've seen how some older people Have regretted their life, including my (laughs) mum. I saw also that regret can be a phase or experience that you have to go through to get a very strong emotion to the forefront, like anger, frustration, hurt, so that you move through that intense emotion to finally see where the choices you made didn't work out and that you're okay. And that's a very important lesson.
1: I've been there. I had the opportunity of waking up in my 50s, retiring from a job that gave my family health insurance, benefits and security, which was what I needed while raising a family. But now I'm free to be me and do what I want to do with my life and in the way I want to live without all the restriction, rules, policies, procedures and guidelines forced to follow at work that spill into my personal life as well.
0: I was just going to ask, you can share those lessons that you got from that change from all of the restrictions to being free.
1: It's something that I think I needed to go through in my life. I was always a rule follower, a people pleaser, all of those things. And I learned a lot of lessons by working in a position where you have to follow a lot of rules, regulations, guidelines, and you have to be the certain way. And it's made me a happier person now that I don't have to be that other person anymore. I can just be me. And the lesson that I learned is sometimes you have to go through a lot of crap to get to happiness.
0: Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing how humans are, aren't we crazy? Yes. <laughs> I learnt what you just shared, Patty, through my mum. Before my mum passed, she was very angry. She was dying of terminal cancer. And she was so angry and full of regrets of her about her life, what her life should have been. And so before she passed, she taught me a big lesson. She taught me that living a life for others, trying to live up to their expectations and beliefs of how she should be is not a life at all. It's a life of sacrifice. It's living a life for others and avoiding living the life you want. So she taught me such an important lesson. Life is not about living a perfect life. It's about understanding what you came to live. And most of the time that has nothing to do with your job title, position, or career, and is always to do with the people you meet, the relationships and connections you foster in your work and home life, and with the other people in your world, your community, and the planet itself.
1: Yes, I agree, Angela. Too many of us have lived for the job title, position, or career, and it became everything to us. Then one day it is gone or taken away. You gave everything to that career and had no room for anything else. Then it's gone in a blink of an eye. You may have a nice house with a beautiful furniture, but is it really a home? You think, what now? There is no one to share this with. I have no friends, no love, no hobbies, nothing but a career that is gone. The pain can be huge once the realization smacks you in the face. Where did my life go? The grieving of the career loss and regret creeps in. Before this happens to you, take time to self-reflect. Is this what I want my life to end up like? If no, start taking little action steps to change it. From all-consuming work to incorporating a personal life as well. Angela talked about the great resignation earlier. What to consider before joining the great resignation. Number one, reflect back to when you first started at your current position. Number two, what attracted you to the job in the first place? Number three, what did you like about the job? Number four, what has changed? Number five, what would make your job more interesting? And number six, what do you truly want in a career? Then reflect, should I stay at my current employment or move on? When you're self-reflecting, use your journal about what you want in life. What's keeping me here? Are there other options? If so, what are they? What did your answers tell you? Think about why you are staying in a job that you dislike. Is there something better for me? What lights me up? Before joining the great resignation, come up with a solid exit plan. Whatever decision you make to either stay or go, focus on what kind of trade or career you really want and prepare yourself for that. While I was in my previous career, I started creating my exit plan by going to school to become a certified professional coach. When I retired, I was already certified and had been working on my coaching profession to make it a reality. I had a plan of action before exiting. Be the person who believes they are so much more and decide to make it happen. Keep moving towards What you really want in life, live your life without regrets by choosing to make it a reality.
0: I really appreciate those series of questions, Patty. And thinking back to the start of the job and what attracted me to the position, those questions are so good for determining the lesson that you get from the job versus complaining.
1: It's easier to complain.
0: It <laughs> is easier. That's why we do it. And I have noticed this. We often complain about something before we actually leave. It's a, it's a part of the process of leaving. You've got to have a complaining stage. So let yourself complain <laughs> because it's part of us psychologically, emotionally, making something bad like your job, your boss or your relationship, you make it really bad before you can let it go but the real work is actually asking, what is bad? That bad thing is teaching you something about yourself. And the original attraction to the job touches on your dreams and your beliefs of how things should be. So if you follow those questions Patty's given us, which we'll have in the show notes, you can discover what it is you have been avoiding Or what you've been conditioning your dream with what beliefs you've had that condition your dream about the life that you really want we know we gave you a lot to think about and we'd love to hear about your beliefs of how it should be and moving past that without any regrets
1: if you enjoyed this podcast how about becoming a supporter click on the support button in the anchor app and thank you so much for listening
0: thank you for listening to building better relationships with Angela and Patty send us a message and please like or share the podcast or donate with the anchor donate button we really value your feedback